joke once, you've heard it a million times related to your favorite franchise. Ooh, look what the big market Reds did. Look what the big market Brewers did. Now, in the most prominent example by far this winter, it's all about those big market Royals. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place that you found this. Kansas City signed 23-year-old shortstop Bobby Witt, one of the better players across the scope of Major League Baseball this past season, doesn't get the notoriety one might expect from someone who slashed 276, 319, 495, 30 home runs, 49 steals, gold glove defense. Dude's got it all. And the Royals set out this winter first with a verbal commitment and then by getting it done. And they did. 11 years 288.8 million dollar extension which sounds like wow that's the kind of thing the pirates ought to be doing in general but what they really ought to be doing as it relates to O'Neill Cruz or Paul Skeens or someone like that who's young and you can safely put a ton of confidence in from the standpoint of performance and, man, it was just like magic. It went across the sport like wildfire yesterday. The Royals are in because the Royals have done some other stuff this winter, too. I'm not going to bore you with the details on that. This isn't daily shot of Royals. But I'm also here to tell you that if you're looking at the Royals and wondering why the Pirates aren't doing it, this isn't the year to do that. Understand, nobody comes down harder on the Pirates, their cheapness, and everything else than I do. And I will use examples like Cincinnati and like Milwaukee, especially Milwaukee, a market that's two-thirds the size of Pittsburgh. And I will say, how can this be spent over here and it's not spent over here. How does that happen? And I'll examine the differences in the markets. At American Family Field, for example, the Brewers Stadium is surrounded by seas, not acres, seas of asphalt parking lots that are 100% in their control. And they collect upward of $20 million a year from that. Do you know how much parking the Pirates own and manage? Anywhere, but including on the North Shore, it's zero. It's absolute zero. So there's always disparities between the two. Anyway, anyway, why would the Royals not apply here? It's actually a long list, but the number one is this. The Royals, for anybody who isn't familiar with this, they went 56 and 106 last year. So they're not about to you know, have some great, big, dramatic turnaround, even with the signings they've made and even with keeping wit in the fold. All of which are commendable, but you're not going to turn around 56 and 106. So why do you do it? 
people who don't know the royal situation are just saying, well, that's it. John Sherman, the guy that everybody's been ripping on for a zillion years down there, the owner, he's there, Bob Nutting, hasn't done anything since they won a World Series like 10 whole years ago, and we're getting fed up with all the losing and whatever. So this guy just magically decides after the team goes 56 and 106 to put a whole bunch of money in there. And there's not nearly enough people raising their antennas as to why. Well, the answer is this. The Royals have a vote coming up, meaning a government thing, something that's on the ballot as to whether or not they're going to have a tax approved that'll get them three-eighths of a cent on every entertainment something or other. I don't know. And it's not my business, but there's a tax that's involved, and the people have to vote on it. That almost always, including in Pittsburgh, does not go well for that vote. It's supposed to raise this tax is $2 billion. $1 billion will be covered by the royals and naming rights and whatever else. And the other billion will be covered by the taxpayers. Now, this is just the Royals. There's also the Chiefs upgrading Arrowhead Stadium. Both of their existing stadiums, by the way, if you've never been there, are well outside the downtown Kansas City core. The Royals would be moving downtown and would be part of some larger entertainment district that's aimed at boosting things downtown, whereas the Chiefs would stay out where all the parking is. This is why they're doing this. I, I don't know how much more obvious this can be. For those of you who've been following the Pirates long enough, you will recall that when the Pirates moved into PNC Park from Three River Stadium, they made a couple of additions. They weren't super exciting, and they definitely weren't effective, but they made a couple of additions. As Kevin McClatchy, the owner at the time, was telling everybody, hey, we need this stadium in order to compete, in order to contend. We need to be able to keep these players. So they signed Jason Kendall to an extension. They signed us some ridiculous contracts, Pat Mears to a long-term deal, whatever. They did it because they needed to show, not just tell, as it related to their commitment. So what do the Royals do? They sign Wit. And they sign him to a long-term deal and get everybody believing, yes, this is it. The Royals are totally in. And if Sherman gets his way and he gets this tax approved and he gets a billion dollars in taxpayer money, well, guess what happens with wit? You ready for this? I don't know how many of you would have read this deeply into this coverage of this signing. This contract that'll be signed by the Royals and Witt, will allow Witt to opt out after his 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th years, meaning he's got four different years within his career, and the 7th year comes when he's only 30, in which he can just say bye, and then someone else is paying him, and he's off Sherman's hands, and he's off the Royals' hands. And the Royals just say, well, there was nothing we could do. He became a free agent. You know, it's not always as simple as just repeating the latest meme. When we come back, J1Q. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door, your car, your bike, your computer, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit projectchildsafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from Ben, and it's in reference to yesterday's show about the Pirates' reported interest in Gary Sanchez, a free agent catcher that was reported by the New York Post. Ben says if Sanchez is signed, I wouldn't sign him to be a backup if he wanted anything more than $1.5 million. Won't that tell you all that you need to know about how this organization feels about Henry Davis? You know, I'm so tempted to say, no, of course not, Ben. That just means that they want to be patient with Henry and they want to give him a, a chance to come along slowly. And if I made that case in some super compelling, passionate tone, you might even buy it. Maybe, maybe not. But I'm not going to do that. And the reason is that, in my eyes, the Pirates showed who they are on this specific subject already. I can't get over, for the life of me, how this team went through the 2023 season being terrified the entire way to put Henry behind the plate, even for an inning. I can't, I I, I can't rationalize that i know that they can't either because when it's come up it's just been well we want henry to focus on blah 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 and it never ends up being any kind of explanation that amounts to much they were in games you'll remember this ben a a lot of you will they were in games where they were either up or down by 10 12 runs and henry's there and he's available and you're thinking You know, you're bringing in, you know, these nobodies, these uh, waiver claims and whoever to just try to mop up your final innings. Hopefully you don't have to use a position player. And Henry still wouldn't go behind the plate. It was like the world was going to come to an end if Henry had to catch. So two things happened since the end of last season one is that there was and this did come first in fairness there was a public commitment by ben charrington to have henry be a catcher a full-time catcher going into 2024 spring training 
That came first, not the Andy Rodriguez injury, but then the Andy injury came. And then it was like, oh, well, remember that time when we said Henry was going to do a ton of catching? Well, that was when we thought we had this other guy that we did allow to catch, that we did trust enough to put him back there, and now maybe we're going to be looking for plans B, C, or D. So I think they've already shown us, Ben, how they feel about Henry behind the plate. I think there's going to be an understandable amount of discomfort at the idea of drafting a player at 1-1 and then never having given him a chance at his natural position. That makes them look kind of dumb. But I, I will insist until I am... I was going to say blue in the face. I'm going to go for the Clint Hurdle shade of purple in the face. That's how I'm going to be before I can buy into Henry having a long-term future at catcher, at least in this organization. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates, and we will do another one of these tomorrow. Tomorrow.